0: Today's scripture reading is John four forty three 43-49. After two days, he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see the signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Well, good morning, Christ Community. My name is Nathan. Welcome. So glad to, to be with you all today. If I haven't met you yet, again, my name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. I haven't spent as much time here recently. I've been helping out at our, at our Shawnee campus, uh, but it's really a delight to be with you. It tests my uh, ability to remember names. It's a high value for us as a church, but you know, it's been six months, if you can believe that, since I've been uh, spending time at Shawnee. I actually got a text from one of you who will remain nameless just a minute ago saying he hasn't heard me preach in a while, so no pressure, okay? Uh, Thanks, Taylor. Really appreciate that. He's right here. He's right there. That's him. Uh, Thanks for that pressure. Really appreciate it. Uh, It's just what I need right now. So anyway, why don't we pray and ask God's help. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful for these friends, this family, God, for this church home. God, I'm grateful for the work that you're doing here uh, through your people in this community. God, I'm thankful also for the opportunity, just the privilege it is to be able to open your word God, I pray that, uh, yeah, help me to never take for granted that part of my, I get paid to study your word and help explain it to people. What a joy, what a privilege. Help me to do that faithfully, to do that well, to do that with joy in this space this morning. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. If your child was dying, what would you do in order to save him? If your child was dying, I mean, think about that. What would you do? What lengths would you go? I mean, I don't know if there's anything that I am more terrified in my life than something terrible happening to David or to Eden, right? I mean, these, these are the kind of things that nightmares are made of. And some of you, some of you know you know that experience. You've, you've been in those spaces. You know what that feels like. Now, for others of you, though, now maybe, maybe you don't have kids. Or maybe you don't like your kids. I don't know. It's between you and Jesus. But like even, even if that's true, like you know what I'm talking about, like the, the kind of longing or grief when something something you feel something happening, something bad or terrible, like this this space where you just ache for something to be true, right? Those spaces of of unfulfilled longing in our lives. Which is another way of saying grief, right? The kind of longing where like it actually hurts physically. Do you know what I'm talking about? And even so, it remains unfulfilled. Which again, that is grief. Unfulfilled longing is grief. Grief and longing, they always go hand in hand. And it could be be about a child, right? It certainly is in this story that we're going to look at. But it could be for you. It could be for a spouse, for your spouse to actually see you. It could be for a, a child, right? Or for a relationship to be restored. It could be your chronic health and pain, or depression or loneliness or anxiety. It can be that somebody would finally recognize you at work or, or to finally be able to turn on the news, right, and not hear about COVID or about Russia or about the political turmoil and instability within our own country, right? Or maybe that longing is just to be able to look in the mirror and not feel that sense of, of shame or regret. Church, we are a people of great longing and great grief. Are we? In fact, this is, this is one of the things that Dr. Kirk Thompson said to me uh, when we had a little time together this, this past fall. Some of you were part of some of those events and, and things. Uh, but I had a, had a little time with him. A few of us had dinner with him. And he, he spoke those words. And, and like last fall, last fall was a pretty, a pretty hard season for me personally in, in many, many ways. And when he said those words, essentially describing the human experience, like if you want to know what it means to be human from this, this guy, he basically said, we humans are people of great longing and great grief. And when I heard him say those words, in that moment, it was almost like those were some of the truest words I'd ever heard in my life. Great longing and great grief. Desire, unfulfilled, right? And yet as we look at this story, I'm convinced that that's where true faith begins. In that intersection between longing and grief, right? In the, in the, the gap between what you, what you want to be true, right? You want so desperately, and, and it's, it's lack of fulfillment in your life, where, where your whole body almost seems to ache for it. You want it so bad. And you feel the heartache of it being held back from you somehow. And if that describes you today, I've got some really good news for you. So if you haven't already, turn with me to John chapter 4. The words will be on the screen, but if you have your Bible with you or you want to pull it up on the Bible app, I encourage you to follow along with me. So now if you've been with us in John, right? We've been in John these last several months t- together. And the, the last story, right, still in John chapter 4, the, most of John 4 is dedicated to the story of the, of the Samaritan woman, this, this incredible encounter, right? This, she's, she's an outcast of all outcasts. But it's one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible because she sees Jesus for who he is, not just as a miracle worker, not just as a good teacher, but as the one who sees her, who knows her longing. Like those those places within her that are are unfulfilled, right? She, she, she She knows that he sees that in her and that he's come to give her living water, right? To satisfy that unending thirst, for something more. And then she essentially becomes the very first participant in E90, right? She's just, she can't help but, but share her faith. She, she does it to her entire community. And so we just covered that last week. And then after two days, John tells us, Jesus goes back home to the region of Galilee. And John warns us here that this is a place in which Jesus will receive no honor, okay? He's not gonna be respected here. And so then, then we read these words, right? Again, verse 43, John chapter 4, verse 43. John tells us after the two days, and John, remember, John's a, he's an eyewitness of these things. He experienced these things alongside Jesus. So, verse 43 After the two days, he departed, he, Jesus, departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. So, when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he'd done in Jerusalem by the feast, which at first kind of sounds like John's contradicting himself. He's, like, he's going to have no honor, but they're welcoming him, right? So what, what, is, he, what is he getting at? here? Well, they, they do. They welcome him, but it becomes clear that they, they've only done so because they, they like the show, right? Uh, Jesus was a big hit early on in Galilee. I mean, remember, remember the story at Cana, the wedding, right? They're like, give me some more wine, Jesus. Like, do, do that for us. Do something cool. Like, impress us, so they want, they want the miracles, they welcome him for the miracles, but they are uninterested in Jesus. And th- this is really important as John sets this up for us, a story, because we're about to meet another outsider, somebody like the Samaritan woman, someone who doesn't belong, and he wants us to see, he wants us to ask, like, how, how is this person going to respond to Jesus that's different from these, these crowds? So again, the, the Galilean crowds here, they're, they're, they're swarming Jesus, hoping for another show, hoping for a miracle. And all of a sudden, there in Cana of Galilee, we meet this man from Capernaum. Verse 46. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When that man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Okay, let's stop there for a second. So what do we know about this guy? Well, I mean, first of all, it says that he's an official, right? Okay, so most, most likely what this means in, in the language is that he works for Herod. And Herod was not a, he was not a popular character uh, of the Jews, right? He was a puppet ruler of the Roman oppressors. And so this, this means, this official is either a Gentile, hated, or he is a Jewish traitor, hated, right? He's not somebody who belongs in this crowd, in this this place, but he had power, right? He's a person of of authority, uh, he's probably used to being in control of getting what he wanted, he had money, he had influence, everything, everything but a healthy son. This is, this is sort of the strange thing about unfulfilled longing, isn't it? Because you can have almost everything. Many of us do, right? We, we can have, like, on, on paper, your life should be perfect. It's satisfying. Everything is great. Like, on paper, everything looks just as it should be. And yet, even so, there's that ache, isn't there? And then when something out of your control actually happens... Like your child gets sick? What will you do then? Will you walk 20 miles to visit a Jewish rabbi you'd only heard a few rumors about? I mean, think about that. Like, that's, that's how desperate this, this guy is. He's from Capernaum, okay? That's 20 miles away. That's a, that's a long walk. Okay, so that, that shows how desperate he is, first of all, uh, but it also sets him apart from the crowds. He's not one of the crowds. He, he's not one of these people who are just coming to Jesus because they want to be impressed by him. This this guy, most likely, he's never met Jesus. He's never seen Jesus. Or he's never had an encounter with Jesus. He simply heard a few rumors about Jesus. And he doesn't just want to, you know, witness a few exciting miracles. This guy needs a miracle. And so my, my guess is that this means by this point, this guy has tried every option. Again, he's got money, he's got, he's got people around him who he can tell what to do. He's done everything at this point. The doctors can't help, the people around him can't help. This is like, this is last-ditch effort kind of behavior. And even just think about the historical context, it's, it's estimated that in this first-century world, only 49% Of children would live to age five think about that imagine if your kids only had a 50 50 chance of making it to kindergarten so this guy knows what's likely in his situation and so he walks 20 miles living on a prayer 20 miles so that's roughly like it's like an eight-hour walk give or take right depending on your pace it's like walking from here all the way to our downtown campus. Want to join me later this afternoon, right? No. <laughs> it's a long walk. And, and maybe you hear that and you're like, well, yeah, but if my child was sick, of course, of course I'd walk 20 miles. Absolutely. any of us, Any of us would if that's what it took. But would you, in this circumstance, for a Jewish rabbi you'd heard a couple rumors about, And I, I, love, I love this guy's plan. I mean, I, I wish I could have seen it from John's perspective, right? What he actually witnessed. But he kind of writes this, this sort of quick synopsis of it. The basic, this guy comes up, he's like, hi, Jesus. Uh, it's really nice to meet you. My son is dying. And I really need you to walk 20 miles back home with me to see if maybe you can heal him. Because don't, don't miss it, that's the request there. He's like, you got to come with me. Like, I need, your, I need your help, I need you to come along with me. Will you, I mean, this, it's nice to meet you, come 20 miles with me. Would you do that, Jesus? And right, right here, we see a kernel of this man's faith. You see, true faith begins with unfulfilled longing, that's, that's the first thing we're going to see. We've got three of these lessons along the way. But that, that's where true faith begins. And So if you're in a place of unfulfilled longing, I mean, you're, you're, right, you're right where true faith begins. That place between desire and grief. Like when, you're, when your son is dying, you don't know if it's going to work, right? This guy doesn't know if Jesus can help him or not. And yet even so, you have the courage to say, Jesus, please. And so you, you take those, those unfulfilled longings, whatever they, they are, to this Jewish rabbi, and you think, maybe, just maybe, this guy's going to do something about it. I mean, even, even if you're uncertain of the results, this guy, again, he doesn't know if Jesus can, and he certainly doesn't know if Jesus will. But it doesn't matter. He believes enough to go. You know, friends, sometimes we think that for faith to be real, it has to be certain like 100% absolute all the time, right? That if, that if we have doubts or, or wrestle with some of the things that we're somehow disqualified, that's it's not true. It's not true. For faith to be faith, it always happens in those places of uncertainty. Those places in between our grief and our longing. But you go to Jesus anyway. This is why I think the crowds, and again, John is contrasting this guy with the crowds. This, this is why I think, like, like the crowds in this story, and like many of us, like me, if I'm completely honest, we're hungry for a sign, right? Like, we want to know, we want to know for sure. We don't want faith. We want sight. Show us a miracle, Jesus. And Jesus is just completely uninterested in that. In fact, his initial response to this guy almost feels a bit tone deaf, doesn't it? Look at, look at verse 47. He's, this guy went to Jesus and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Ugh. You can almost hear Jesus sort of groaning like that. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Which again, is like Jesus' way of saying, "Like you people don't really, you don't really want me. You want what I can do for you? You don't want to follow me. You want to be impressed by me. And Jesus is uninterested in being impressive to any of us. Now, Jesus, he's speaking primarily here to the crowds. And again, we know that because of the way John set that context, right? He's going to receive no honor here. He's kind of given us like a hint of what's going on in this story. So he's speaking primarily to the crowds, and it's a rebuke. Because John has already let us know the crowds are not that into him. They'll only believe what they can see. They're only after a little more free wine. They want nothing to do with faith. But Jesus is also speaking to the man. Because Jesus knows what's in this guy's heart. And he sees the seed of faith. And so this is sort of Jesus' strange way of watering that seed. Because you see Jesus he's willing. Jesus is willing to meet you in those places of unfulfilled longing. And those places of grief, whatever, whatever that is for you, he's, he's willing to meet you there, those places of grief and desire. Whatever brings you to him, even if it's just a prayer of desperation. But he always wants more. In fact, Herman Ritterboss, Dutch theologian, uh, writes about this passage. He's, he writes, Jesus did not only want to give the Son back to the Father, he wanted to give himself that's what's so important about these miracle stories in John. It's, it's about so much more than just the miracle, right? Jesus can give no, no healing apart from giving himself. That's what he wants. And so he pushes this guy. He's like, nah, signs and wonders. That's all you guys are after. Again, it's more to the crowds, but it has a little push to this guy. He pushes him, but it's, it's, it's out of love. Because Jesus knows that this guy wants, like all of us, more than just a healthy child. You want more than that, don't you? More than just a sign. More than just taking our faith and making it sight. More than just that thing you long for, whatever it is. We pe- we people are, we're, we're people of endless longings, aren't we? Let I me mean, think about this for example. This is a dumb example. I'm going to say it anyway. But uh, So Kelly and I are currently doing the Whole30 if you're not familiar with this diet, you basically imagine everything that you love, like everything that gives you pleasure in life, and then you just don't have any of that for an entire month. Seriously, like uh, no sugar, no alcohol, no dairy, no grains, no joy, right? I don't, it's day 15. I'm not even sure why I got out of bed this morning, okay? Uh, but the, the strangest thing about this diet, if you've done it, you know this, but the strangest thing, at least, at least to me, is early on you have these cravings that you can't even explain. Because like the food you eat on this whole thing, like it's good food, right? And I can eat till I'm full. And yet, I do that, and I'm completely unsatisfied at the end of it. And there's just like these crazy, I don't even know what I want. I just know my body's like, please, something else, right? And I know that's ridiculous, but that's, I mean, isn't that kind of what we all feel? We have so many good things, you and I. There are so many places where we find satisfaction and pleasure and happiness, and yet there's still something missing. We still have these cravings, right? This chronic and terminal dissatisfaction that there's got to be something more. Even if I get everything I want, there's got to be something more. I'm not the only one, am I? And so when Jesus pushes this guy... He's trying to get at those cravings. What's what's behind that? He's trying to give him not just his son, but himself. You see, Jesus has a bigger strategy for you and for our world than solving your problems. He's actually bent on taking those unfulfilled desires you have, those chronic longings, and turning them into faith. And giving you himself. And we actually see it starting to work in this, man's, in this man's life. Because this man, he doesn't quit. Like he has this like subtle rebuke. Like only interested in signs and wonders. But he doesn't stop. He's like, well, walked, I walked here 20 miles. And he asks again, verse 49. The official, this is the second time. The official said to him, Sir come down before my child dies. Jesus, I I need you to come. My son. Which leads to the second observation about true faith. True faith asks, and then it asks again. And if necessary, again, and again, and again, and again. It just keeps asking and I'm completely honest I'm not sure how good I am at asking which is probably just another way of saying I'm not very good at asking like I I pray certainly right I guess you'd hope so as a pastor I do every morning every night before bed often throughout the day I pray but as I thought about my own prayer prayers this week my patterns you know I think I'm, I'm good at praying for other people and I'm good at praying in sort of these vague generalities but how often do I come to my father, my good father who loves me, and ask him for the specific details that I'm struggling with or dealing with, the problems that I have in my own life, to say, God, I'm stressed about this meeting or this, this relationship. or I don't know what to do in this situation. Like, that's what this guy does, and he keeps asking like that. I see that. I want that kind of faith. I want what this guy has, who just barely for a second has encountered Jesus. And Jesus sees the faith in this man. And he answers his prayer. I I love this, though, because Jesus doesn't actually give him what he asked for. It's brilliant, right? Don't miss that. But he does give him what he needs. Because remember, the the request is come home. Come come down with me. Walk these 20 miles back to Capernaum. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to do that. But verse 50, Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Go, your son will live. In this single encounter, with Jesus is so powerful. I mean, what do they have together? 30 seconds, right? It's so powerful, so compelling that this man actually says, okay, I'll turn around and I'll walk the 20 miles back home believing that what you said in this moment is true and it's gonna happen again. Like, imagine that kind of faith. Like, this, this is faith, people. This is what faith looks like. To hear a word from Jesus, simply a word, like this encounter with Jesus himself, and then to trust him for that long way home. Which leads to the third observation, and and really, if you take just one thing with you today, I hope it's this. True faith trusts Jesus for the long way home. Because what was that walk home like for this guy? 20 miles, followed by another 20 miles. Find out later, he finally gets home the next day. So we're talking, this guy's been doing a lot of walking. A lot of alone time. A lot of headspace. What was that walk? Because he doesn't know. Not with any certainty. He doesn't know that his son is going to be okay. But he met Jesus, and he trusted him, and that somehow, that was enough and church, this feels to me like such a picture of the Christian life. Because if you're a Christian, this is, this is your story. You've taken your unfulfilled longings, right? Your grief and your desire, whatever it is, like those things, and you've brought them to Jesus and you've asked. And many of us have asked and we've asked and we've asked and we've asked, but we've brought them to Jesus. We've, we've begged him to intervene. And whether or not he's answered you in the way that you've asked him to, You've met him. You, you've encountered him in some way and now here we are, every one of us, somewhere between meeting Jesus and the fulfillment of his promises to us. All of us are on this path, some, somewhere between saying yes to Jesus and our long, long way home. I mean, and you don't know if your son's going to live or die. You don't know if your marriage is ever going to be okay. You don't know if the pain will ever be over, if the depression or loneliness will ever be gone. But you are trusting Jesus, taking him at his word, that by the time you get home, somehow it's going to be okay. Now, it's, it's true for some of us, Jesus does answer our prayers, or at least some of them, in the way that we want him to, like while we're still on the way, right? I mean, that's that's what he does for this guy, right? Verse verse 51. It says, as he was, the the guy, the, the, the official, as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that was the hour when Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. And good for that guy. And good for his son. But not all of us see our longings fulfilled while we're on this path. For many of us, and in many ways, all of us, we have to wait till we're home. And so will you, will you trust Jesus for that long way home? Let me, let me ask it another way. Are you in the crowd? Remember the contrast going on here that John is kind of poking at here. Are you in the crowd? Is that, is that your approach to Jesus from a distance? Are you in the crowd? Or are, you, or are you trusting Jesus for the long way home? Because remember, the crowd's... They don't really want Jesus. They kind of think they do. They're intrigued, you know. They'll show up on Sunday mornings, that kind of thing, right? They don't really want Jesus, though. They want what he can do for them. Like, they, they come to him on their terms. Jesus, I'll trust you if, right? If, if you impress me, if you, if you prove it to me, if you give me what I want, if you, if you don't get too close, then Jesus, maybe. But you know what? The crowds are the ones who actually miss out on this miracle, Right? Like, it happens before their very eyes, but they never see it. Remember, the miracle happens 20 miles away. They don't don't go with this guy back to see if his son is alive. They miss it. And they miss Jesus. But this, this man, this picture of faith, he trusted what Jesus said. Because he'd encountered him, he'd met him. Like, somehow in that moment together, this man realized that Jesus is someone I can trust with my son's life. That Jesus is someone I can trust with my own life. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And went on his way. Like, that's, that's what I want, people. I want faith like that. And so will you, will you trust Jesus no matter what he says? Like, no matter what? No matter what? Because his, his word to us, right, is that with him, there's fullness of life, even in grief. Even in those places of unfulfilled longing, he longs to meet us there with living water. That his, his way is the best way, that submission to him is actually the thing that will lead us to the greatest joy, actually obedience to him will do that part of his word to us, that, that he will never leave us that you you and I never have to walk on this path alone. And the crowds miss the miracle. They miss Jesus. But this one with faith got his son, and what is more, he got Jesus. And again, friends, that's what Jesus wants for you more than anything else in the world. He didn't come to fix your problems. He didn't come to make you happy to give you a pleasurable, satisfied, comfortable life. He came to give you himself. And whatever it takes to do that, he will do it. Because that's what he wants for you more than anything else in the world. You might come to him for all kinds of reasons, but he wants to give you himself. He wants to give you living water. This is his strategy for you. It's him. It's him. Because the reality is, you and I, I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we're more than just a desperate father. Like, we put ourselves in that category, right? Because that's kind of how the story is told, that we're, yeah, we're like, we're like them. We know those desperation. We know the long, but the reality is, we're a whole lot more like the dying son, aren't we? Bleeding out in our places of desperation, of shame, of regret, of, of not knowing the future, of heartache and pain, all that we feel crushing down upon us. Every one of us, because of our sin, we're so much more like the dying son. But the reality is, church, we have a Father who didn't just walk 40 miles to rescue us. He crossed heaven and earth to be with us, to give himself to us, to enter our places of grief and longing. He knows what it's like to grieve. He knows what it's like to long. Who takes our sickness upon himself, our sin and shame, giving his life that we might get ours back. but he didn't stay dead. Which means not only do we have a home to look forward to, we have his presence with us. Every step of the way. No matter how deep those longings get, no matter how unfulfilled they seem, no matter how bad our grief is, you will never be alone. Yes, the way home is hard. And it's certainly long. But this is what faith does. True faith begins in those places of unfulfilled longings. And so are you bringing them to him? Have you made, have you made them known to him, this, these places, these raw places of grief and desperation? This is, what, this is where true faith begins. And then are you asking him to intervene and asking and asking? He doesn't get tired of it, right? He says to come to him like a child. Jesus says that. How do children ask? It's relentless. They never stop. This is what Jesus tells us to do to God our Father, to ask and ask and ask because that's, that's a picture of what true faith does in those places of desperation and unfulfilled longings. And then ultimately, true faith trusts Jesus for the long way home. God help us. Let's pray. Father, even as I look out in this room of people, uh, dear friends and new friends. God, I see so many faces where I know stories of unfulfilled longing, of deep grief. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd be near to them in those spaces. God, that even if you don't give them what they're asking for, that you would give them yourself that you would give them living water, that you give them hope, that you will walk alongside them and that whatever it is, by the time they get home, you, you will have made them whole and made whatever it is they're asking for whole and you will, you will make up for, uh, to us everything that we've lost or given up. That we, don't, we don't know how, we don't know what that looks like, but that you promise to the blood of your son to bring redemption to all of life, to everything And so we cast all of our desperation, all of our hope, all of our grief, all of our joy onto you, Lord Jesus. Give us faith like this man. We trust you for it, Lord Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.